You're tuned in to The Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant, one of the most listened to podcasts in the Christian community. You can visit our website, toddcoconado.com, and now broadcasting live around the world from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, here's the host of the show, Pastor Todd Coconado. Welcome everybody to The Todd Coconado Show. So thankful that you're here otherwise known as the remnant all around the world. And today I'm excited because as I promised, we're going to get into chapter one of my book. We'll see how far we can go. The book is called Come Out From Among Them. And I promised listeners the other day that we're going to go through this entire book. So whether you buy it or you don't, I'm going to go through the book. But I would ask if you can buy it because then you can go along with us as we do this. And I think this book is a manual as to how we can truly come out from among them. That's the whole reason I wrote it. Uh, I I had an angelic visitation in 2021 that rocked me to the core. And I'm going to just read from the back of the book so you understand the premise. Uh, The angelic messenger told me two things, come out from among them and be consecrated. And so for the next year, I sought God to understand the message for myself and for the body of Christ. And come out from among them, which is available, by the way, online. You can also go to pastortodbook.com, pastortodbook.com. Uh, I share what I believe God is calling the body of Christ to do in this season, to come out from what I call the Babylon system that has overtaken our world and to truly be set apart, not participating in the wickedness of this hour or listening to the modern day prophets of Baal, a.k.a. the fake news media. I believe this is a time of great shaking and awakening, and the church can no longer be the silent majority. This is a time for action. We've got to be a people of action, otherwise we're going to lose. Um, I, I map out a strategy to show our, you know, God's remnant warriors how to truly be set apart, to refuse to conform to the wickedness of this hour, and to take back the culture and the territory for the kingdom of God. And the fact that you are alive right now, I say, and I believe God is saying this, is no mistake. It's time for us as believers to answer the call of God, take our position and stand. So that's the premise of the book. Now, I went through the other day on a live stream on my Facebook at Real Todd Coconado. I went through the the preface uh, of the book, the preface of the book. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to go that uh, do that again because I already did that on a live. What I want to do is get into chapter one and chapter one is called the rising remnant and where we came from, the rising remnant and where we came from. So over the past several years, our world has experienced a noticeable shift. Have you seen it? I've seen it. Uh, We are experiencing just an extraordinary time to be alive. Many people yearn to return to quote, unquote, normal. But I believe we're not going to do that. I believe that uh, what we may consider to be normal is not coming back. That's a good thing, however. As we could not be, uh, you know, we couldn't have continued in that direction, folks. Okay, that, that was a bad trajectory. And we have advanced into a new era. It's a new season. You can't fit new wine in old wineskin. The hour is rapidly getting way, uh, later. It's getting later. And we're seeing biblical prophecy playing out before our eyes. Now, the Bible says, as I had just mentioned, that you can't put new wine in old wineskin. That's Matthew 9, 16 through 17. It's Mark 2. 22 it's luke 5 33 through 39 we're certainly in a new wineskin season even though uh many concerning things are taking place i believe this is an exciting hour for the church in fact this is what we trained for this is the the church's greatest hour and it's our time to shine and we can and i believe we will 
So we're going to witness a great end time harvest before the Lord returns. That's what I believe is beginning right now. In fact, it's already begun and it will accelerate. Be ready. It will be the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. And from wars and rumors of wars raging around the globe to cycles of civil unrest playing out in many countries to wicked and godless leaders running much of the world, there's an urgency in the hearts of those who have ears to hear and eyes to see all that's taking place. I believe God has called many of us to be watchmen on the wall and to sound the alarm as voices in the wilderness. I often refer to what's called an Issachar anointing of understanding and discerning the times. If you feel this urgency in your heart, you're not alone, okay? This has caused many remnant believers to endure difficult situations, such as being ostracized and and estranged from friends and family, accused, shamed, publicly maligned, and forced into engaging in a real battle of good versus evil. So here's the thing. No true believer can, can avoid engaging in this battle right now. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be drawn into it one way or another, okay? This is all spilled over in our jobs and our workplaces and the companies. What about the woke corporations that we patronize? Our family and our friend circles, the government, schools, universities, and even parts of the church. I hate to say it. Now, this is not a time when believers can stay in what I call the mushy middle. As God has allowed the environment around us to become so polarized that we must take a side, be bold, and stand. Now, when you do this, battles will arise that we must fight and stand for our faith in this hour. It's not easy, but it's necessary. Many people, I know, including myself, have paid a high, co- a high cost for standing. Have you paid a high cost for standing? If you are standing, you understand what I mean. Now, thank you for standing for truth. The Bible says, let us not grow weary in doing good. That's Galatians 6, 9. However, sometimes that's easier said than done, okay? This is a season of change. Changes all around us from the educational institutions that were essentially brainwashing our young people for years now and working as indoctrination camps for our kids to the moral depravity that we see in movies and television and our streaming devices and platforms. More and more men and women are addicted to pornography than ever before as the devil has made it easy for every sin imaginable to be instantly available at our fingertips. Addictions are also running rapid as many families have to deal with one or more loved ones who are addicted to drugs and alcohol or some type of illicit substance or pharmaceutical prescription drug. Think about the psychotropic drugs that many people are on. Uh, There are many other addictions as well. I deal with this daily as I counsel people and many people are highly stressed. They're depressed. They're overwhelmed by their situation or at least seemingly so. And the church, let's just be honest, is not doing well in addressing these matters. They're often swept under the rug rather than being dealt with, further complicating the case for the individuals involved. Have you dealt with this? Many teens are cutting themselves, withdrawing from family, living in rebellion, and or becoming sexually active at a very very early age. They're also more prone to engage in same-sex attraction and have identity confusion. Have you seen this? Many people are dabbling with multiple sex partners simultaneously as what they call alternative lifestyles, which are being pushed by the government, by schools, by celebrities. I remember Obama was saying the new norms. You remember that? This is the new norms. Uh, you know, influ- influencers, media, and this is dramatically advanced even since the early 2000s. So parents, we've got to be more vigilant than ever. Um, sexual promiscuity and perversion are at all-time highs as many lack self-value and self-worth to resist the temptation 
of giving their bodies to sex outside of marriage or depraved sexual acts even. It's also not being effectively countered from the pulpit, as many preachers fear speaking on issues that they're deemed controversial. So they skirt around these issues. They stay silent on key areas for fear of reprisal. This is especially the case in many megachurches that have grown so fast and so large that they're often handcuffed by the seeker-friendly church growth models and congregants and the boards, by the way, to not speak on anything that could ruffle the feathers of their donors and many lukewarm attendees. Isn't that a sad state of affairs? Yet that's the truth. So we're going to discuss that a little bit more. Let's get into this very important subject, and then we're going to go to break, and I want to continue on this because it's very important, but it's the destruction of the family unit. The destruction of the family unit. We also see that the family unit has been ripped apart by our institutional hierarchy, cancel culture, leftism, and the introduction of what former President Obama referred to as the new social norms, as I mentioned. Uh, More and more marriages are failing all around us. I think it's 49%, they say now, of first marriages fail uh, end up in divorce. 49%. That's a lot. Uh, It's almost half. Um, You know, more and more marriages are are failing, even in the church. Another casualty of the world system. And I'll say this. If you've been through a divorce, I'm not here to judge or condemn you. But, uh, you know, let's let's just evaluate and make sure that we didn't do anything wrong in that situation that we need to repent of. And, and try not to get in that same type of situation again, because we know it grieves God. God is for marriage, right? I'm not here to beat people up that have, have done things. Look, I know a lot of the listeners, most of the listeners have probably been through a divorce. And listen, God is not mad at you, but just make sure if you did something and it wasn't the, your, your former spouse, you know, you did something, or even if, you know, it was them, but you still, you know, maybe you didn't try hard enough to fight for the marriage. I mean, just make sure that you repent if you, need to repent. But, you know, there is therefore no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. So we move on. God is a forward-moving God. We're not going to, the past is not going to be held against you if you've repented. That's what I want to say. I have a past, by the way. I have a past. All of us have a past. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I'm never one of these preachers that makes you feel bad because of something that you did in the past. We all have done something in the past. Isn't that the story of the gospel? But yet, how do we do better in the future? That's, that's my motto, is how do we not make the same mistake again? Or how do we learn from our mistakes and be wise, right? So we're going to get into this a little bit more when we, when we come back about the destruction of the family unit. What I'm doing is I'm reading through the new book, okay, which is entitled Come Out From Among Them. It's available online, and you can go to pastortodbook.com, pastortodbook.com. And we're going to go through the whole book, and we're going through chapter one right now. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant. We're going through the book, Come Out From Among Them, which is available on Amazon. It's available uh, all, all different re- retailers like Barnes & Noble. But you can go to PastorTodbook.com, and if you go to PastorTodbook.com, you'll actually get a signed copy of the book, and we can go uh, together through it, and that's what I'm going to do. But if you don't buy the book, we're still going to go through it because I believe this is an important message that we need to talk about. So we're talking about the destruction of the family unit. And it's been ripped apart by the institutional hierarchy for many years, cancel culture, leftism, and the introduction of of what former President Obama referred to as these new social norms. And this is what we're seeing. So I wanted to be clear, as I said in the last section, I'm not here to attack or condemn you if you've had multiple marriages or even a divorce. If anything, 
Uh, I yearn to see you walking into a new season of God's promises and plans for your life. I too have a past which I had to see God for healing and restoration. We can't change what's happened, but we can learn from it and not repeat it. And we must speak to such things and identify our challenges as a body of, as the body of Christ. So my leadership philosophy is to first identify the challenges and the issues before finding real and tangible biblical solutions to each problem. I believe there's a solution to every problem out there in the word of God. There is. So we got to remember that once we've repented and walked away from the repetitive sin, it is in the sea of forgetfulness according to the word of God. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8.1. The key is that we must be teachable and accountable and willing to learn from our mistakes. You know, when I was younger in the faith, a mentor told me a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. This is true. God wants us to walk in the conviction of his Holy Spirit and to be willing to course correct when we make a mistake. Everyone makes mistakes at times. The Bible says this. The key is that we get back up and we keep pressing ahead. We only lose when we give up. One of the biggest problems in the church is that people put pastors and ministry leaders on a pedestal and think they don't mistake. So when a leader fails or does something wrong, it's disruptive. It's very disruptive. In many cases, the leaders make things worse by doubling down in pride rather than exercising humility and acknowledging the severity of the situation and admit their guilt. As the body of Christ moves forward, I pray that more pastors and ministry leaders will be transparent about their humanity rather than trying to uphold the mirage that they're perfect. I often speak about how I am far from perfect and simply a messenger preaching and teaching God's word. I do, however, make a solid effort to avoid even the appearance of evil. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.22. And to be a, a good testimony to others who are watching. So listen, if you're a leader, remember, you will be judged to a higher standard. I have a healthy fear of the Lord, and I think it's vital that we all do. It's a good fear. It's a necessary one, kind of like when we were children and we feared getting spanked from mom and dad. Remember that? And in the midst of most cases, uh, you know, um, dad or mom, they were looking out for our best interests. That's what they were truly doing. And they loved us enough to reprimand us. The Bible says, whoever spares the rod hates their children. That's Proverbs 13, 24, which is where we get the saying, spare the rod, spoil the child. Discipline is part of love. We must bring this back into our parenting. Our children will not be set up for success if we don't when they're adults. A good fear of the Lord keeps us in check spiritually. We should all fear the Lord. When good leaders make mistakes, they're willing to course correct and shift their oversights into teachable moments. They show how to fix the problem honestly rather than deny that anything wrong happened. A major issue we're facing in the body of Christ is that few people want to confront sin these days. We see a lot of things that are swept under the rug. This has done tremendous damage as sin or corruption must be addressed in love and dealt with properly. Now, in the defense of pastors and ministry leaders, I will say that people can be vicious and lack mercy when a spiritual leader does happen to fall. It's equally important that we all seek the understanding and come to aid of those of our brethren who fall or have something tragic happen in the ministry. What I, what I say about this is we can't kick each other when we're down. The body of Christ is meant to rally around our wounded and lovingly help them back to restoration. We are good at pointing fingers, but not so good at being the hands and arms of Christ. 
certainly we can do better in this regard. You know, many people have to deal with tragic or challenging situations without the support of the local church. Some leaders need to spend more time to offer help because they're focused on church growth strategies rather than, rather than shepherding. And the seeker-friendly microwave version of Christianity has dominated the Western culture and caused the church to evolve into something quite different from what it was only a few decades ago. The church is also having a real issue with what I call celebrity Christianity, in which large ministries and their leadership live and act as though they are Hollywood celebrities. And then they lose touch with the original mission or the congregation and the humble beginnings. God honors the humble and contrite. His word says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, okay? Um, Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. That's Psalm 127.1. I believe the church has raised up many people, listen to this, okay, that have talent but lack the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Skill and talent are much different from anointing. You can't fake the anointing. This is a big problem unless God truly anoints a person. He or she will eventually fail and cause significant collateral damage in his or her failure. So this is why we go into the next part. Many are hurt and wounded by the church. Do you know people that have been hurt and wounded by the church? Are you hurt and wounded by the church? Now, listen, I don't entirely fault those of you who have had to deal with a problematic area and were not given the needed pastoral care or discipleship while you were under spiritual attack. This lack of help probably caused the problem to get much worse than it needed to be. This happened to me as well, so I understand. As a pastor, I want to repent for the lack of shepherds in the body of Christ. Praise God, there are many real shepherds. However, while others have been focused on their followings, fortunes, and building their kingdoms rather than God's kingdoms, many of you were victims of these things and couldn't find someone willing to help you in your time of need. That gives me a righteous anger is it was never God's intention for this to happen. I can't tell you how many people I meet all around the country who tell me that they either don't know their pastor or they can't get in to speak with one no matter how hard they've tried. Has this been your experience as well? Well, I believe this is why we must have a personal relationship with God and not rely on a person to be the conduit between us and God. We pastors must help foster a strong relationship between the individuals and our churches and God. Listen, what I'm trying to say is, as a pastor, we should be pointing up. We should be doing everything that we can. That's my mission, is that when you listen to these broadcasts, I pray you go deeper in your walk and your relationship with God. That's the key. So what is one of the biggest things that I recommend? Well, first of all, it's accountability and mentorship. Accountability and mentorship. As the body of Christ walked away from mentorship, discipleship and accountability, we opened a massive door for the enemy to have a field day in the lives of newer and ill-equipped believers. Even some veterans in the faith were hit with a barrage from the enemy and were left to fend for themselves. Again, we as a body must do better in these areas as well. This is one reason God had me write this book. Are you getting something from this today? I, I pray you are. I pray you're getting something from this message. We are going to continue on in accountability and mentorship. I'm reading from the book, Come Out From Among Them, which is my new book. It's available by Charisma, and it's all over online, but you can go to pastortoddbook.com, pastortoddbook.com, and I'll send you a signed copy of the book. We are going to read the book regardless, and we're going to continue right when we get back. So stick around, pastortodd.org, and we'll be right back. 
All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconado Show. We are going through the book, Come Out From Among Them. It's available now on PastorToddBook.com. I know many of you have ordered it, and I appreciate that. I still have thousands in the warehouse, so please help us out and share this book with others because this is a roadmap in this hour. Now, of course, I always say you got to read the Word of God. That's the most important. Don't let this book replace your reading of the Scripture, but this book will help us as it's a strategy in this hour. And by the way, I quote a lot of scripture in the book, and I believe God's given us a roadmap as how, as the remnant, we can come out from among them. One of the big things is accountability and mentorship. I have tremendous mercy for those who have legitimately been hurt in the church. So how can we expect someone who hears only one or two scriptures a week and gets a motivational, extreme hyper-grace message Uh, from their pastor to be set up for true success when the storms of life's come. Well, it's simple. We can't. This is a significant issue, and it's a major reason why we are where we are. So we are even witnessing entire denominations right now, I'm telling you, that are essentially rewriting fundamental core Christian doctrine. They're they're literally running from the truth of Scripture, and, and they're changing definitions such as marriage and gender. Wokeism and compromise have been cancers throughout the global body of Christ. And the old-time Pentecostal evangelists and preachers of the early and mid-20th century have almost vanished in most places. Very, very upsetting, very sad, and it's got to change. And so they've been replaced with men who have lost their masculinity and women who have had to step up in critical areas where the fathers and the husbands have recanted and are in many cases neglecting their obligation to lead the families in in a Christ-like and biblical manner and to love their wives as Christ loved the church, which is Ephesians 5.25. But there is a way forward. It's a healthy way forward. And this is what we're going to discuss. Okay, we're going to discuss this today. It's the rise of the remnant. The rise of the remnant. So Sir Isaac Newton's law, like I think it's the third law of motion, tells us that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So while all the above things that I just talked about are happening, something else happens simultaneously. While COVID-19 and other related developments have rocked our world and significantly disrupted our lives, these things have led to a perfect storm, allowing a group of people that I refer to as the remnant to rise up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe that what is referred to as mainstream church has separated itself in many ways from doctrinally sound biblical Christianity. In contrast, a group of people who I uh, consider and I believe you consider to be called the remnant walk in discernment and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which has, you know, listen, they've had enough of the watered down teaching. And they're rising up. They're rising up. This is what's happening, a rising remnant. And these same people know the answer will not be found in a politician, even uh, through science or education. The people of God must take back this nation and the world by returning to the fundamentals of our faith. We must restore the foundations. It's time to get back to the basics. You know, during the Trump era, many looked to President Trump to fight the battles of the church, which in some cases he did, but ultimately he couldn't save us. Some people have built whole ministries based on Trump's return. While I support him, and I did support him, and I still do, we must shift the focus back to Jesus and not make it about any man. Trump is simply a man who God used for a specific purpose, much like he did with King Cyrus and others throughout the Bible. 
And while the story may not be over just yet, the people of God must now be the ones to stand up according to what I call the Bible's recipe for revival, which is found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says this, this is if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll heal their land. God wants his people to stand up and repent and turn back to him. He wants us to call upon his name and to contend fast and pray for our nation. Yes, thank you, Jesus, to pray for our nation. That's what we've got to do and for our culture. The spotlight is now on the church. This is why God has allowed this time. I don't believe either our nation or the world is done, but we must act now. America is meant to be a Nineveh, not a Sodom and Gomorrah. This is why repentance must be the message. It leads to revival and new life in Jesus Christ. So the end is not yet. The end is not yet. I want to talk about the, uh, with the word that the Lord gave me where he said one more round, one more round, the end is not yet. You know, when the war in Ukraine started boiling up and many were fearful that it could go nuclear, I heard people saying it could be the end. And I went to the Lord in prayer and in fasting and asked him if we were entering into the tribulation period. And God assured me that we would see one more round and that the end is not yet. That is when I realized this remnant that we see rising was called for such a time as this. And God is cleaning up his bride, the church. This is what is happening right now. In this season, God is preparing his church for his return and for what is to come. It is our moment to shine. This is the moment we've trained for. Those who have taken a bold stance and stood firm in this time have seen miraculous things in their lives and ministries. Many remnant pastors and leaders are experiencing exponential growth in their churches and in the number of people who follow them and look to their leadership. I've seen this play out at our ministry, this ministry. This is the Lord's ministry, by the way. It's not our ministry, it's the Lord's. As we have seen many doors open and experienced extreme growth in the last few years, I believe God will put his favor and anointing on anyone willing to make it about souls. That's gotta be the mission. People who are about the business of the Lord are gonna see favor. If we stand for the entirety of God's word, his hand of favor and blessing will be upon us, and it is. When the children of Israel went into rebellion and started to worship idols, he sent his real prophets to warn them and and that they would see punishment and the wrath of God for their disobedience and sin. Several times, God allowed them to go into captivity where they eventually would return to the roots of their faith and once again worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When they did repent and turn back to God, he eventually freed them from their captors and allowed them to be restored as a nation and as a people. God would have to apologize to Israel if he did not hold us to the similar standard as a nation and a church. In his word, God is clear. He will come back for a church without spot nor wrinkle. That's Ephesians 5.27. It certainly appears that God is refining his church and course correcting us so that we may get back into his will. And I believe God has extended his mercy in this season so that we can return to him. It's a grace period. It's a, it's a season of reprieve. And it's pivotal. It's a pivotal crossroads period. The time is short for the people of God to respond. The question is, what will we do? So let's talk about who are the, who are the prophets in the Bible? Who are the prophets in the Bible? Well, the role of the prophets in the Bible is significant as they played a critical part in history in, in Israel 
and the development of Judaism and Christianity. Prophets are people who have received direct communication from God, and their messages are intended to convey God's will to the people. The role of prophets began in the Old Testament, which is uh, the earliest prophets uh, being figures like Abraham, Moses, and Samuel. These figures were not formally called prophets, but they played a similar role in communicating God's will to the people. Now, the first prophet explicitly referred to in the Bible was Isaiah, who lived in the 8th century B.C., The primary role of the prophets was to serve as intermediaries between God and the people. They were were tasked with communicating God's messages to the people and warning them of the consequences of disobedience. The prophets were often critical of the ruling authorities Mm -hmm. and the religious leaders of their time, and their messages were often unpopular with the people. The prophets were also responsible for the development of the concept of monotheism and Judaism. Before the prophets, the Jewish people believed in multiple gods, but the prophets emphasized the importance of worshiping the one God. The prophet Elijah famously challenged the prophets of Baal, a Canaanite God, and demonstrated the power of the one and only true God. In addition to their role as messengers, the prophets also played a significant role in shaping the religious practices and traditions of the Jewish people. They were responsible for establishing the importance of prayer, fasting, and, and uh, almsgiving, and they played a critical role in the development of the synagogue as a place of worship. The prophets of the Old Testament are significant for Christians as they predicted the coming of Jesus. Many Old Testament prophecies described a coming Messiah who would save the Jewish people, and Christians believe that Jesus was and is the promised Messiah. Of course he is. In the New Testament, the role of the prophets was somewhat different. The apostles were often described as prophets, and they played a critical role in the spreading the message of Jesus to the world. The book of Revelation, written by the apostle John, is often referred to as a prophetic work because it contains visions of the end of the world and the return of Jesus. The role of prophets in the Bible was significant as they played a critical part in the history of Israel and the development of Judaism and Christianity. Their messages of hope, warning, and redemption continued to inspire people around the world and their influence can and still be felt in religious practices and traditions of many cultures including christianity there are real prophets i believe in the fivefold i believe in the fivefold now let's address false prophecy because this is important whenever a public figure especially modern day preacher even slightly indicates something about his stance on a hot button issue many people will automatically rush to judgment put words in his mouth or assume something untrue. People often tell me, Pastor, you don't need to explain yourself. And I understand, and I agree for the most part. However, they don't see the hundreds of emails and all the communications we get every week from people in the real world challenging situations. They have challenging situations and they need an answer. And they're, they're not in my shoes, these people that say, you just don't have to say anything, Pastor Todd. Well, you're not in my shoes. Let's just be honest. And I'm not saying that in a rude way or disrespectful way or prideful way. I'm just saying we're seeing thousands of people writing us these emails. When I see the same question over and over again, I realize there's got to be an issue. So chaos often breeds contention or even worse, as people often see things from their perspective and through their own experiences. Confusion has started unnecessary wars. My heart is for God and for you. I take my role as a shepherd very seriously. And that's why I address things and have the needed conversations even when they are challenging to navigate. My philosophy is that there's always a path forward. 
No matter how challenging it may look, there's always a way that we can inquire of the Lord, get his strategy, and move forward in victory as a people of God. Biblically, leaders are held to a higher standard. One of the most challenging things about my role is taking a stand that goes against the narrative or current popular opinion. I receive all kinds of responses, both friendly and not so friendly. However, I must obey God. 1 John 5.21 says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. I want to be very clear where I see challenges in the church right now and why, in my opinion, it's essential that we course correct from a biblical standpoint. Idolatry, number one. The Bible is clear that we're not to have or make idols of man. There's only one God. As humans, we are prone to making idols. We saw this repeatedly in ancient Israel, and it's still prevalent today. It can be a real trap to newer believers or those who are not in tune with what the Bible says. Over the last few years, I've seen many people making idols of man in the prophetic community. It's almost like the followers of the Grateful Dead. These people can be very loyal and follow some of these folks anywhere, often taking their stances and teachings, um, you know, without even going to the Lord. They just, they just believe it, in other words. There is a contingent of people who follow some of these internet quote-unquote prophets from event to event and lean on their every word as if their words are the Bible. This is dangerous, and their words are not equivalent to the Bible, friends. People also do this with pastors, by the way, and others. It's all wrong. Any faithful pastor, preacher, or prophet should lead his or her followers to God and his word towards a healthy and balanced Christian lifestyle, not act like a Christian celebrity or as if he or she is the sole person who can hear from God or for anyone else. In other words, they're the only one that can hear from God. That's not true. You can hear from God. The scripture says, my sheep hear my voice. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to conclude chapter one of the book, Come Out From Among Them, PastorTodd.org. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant. We're going through the book right now, Come Out From Among Them, which is available at PastorToddBook.com, PastorToddBook.com. We're going through some of the areas right now that the church has some issues, making idols of men, very, very problematic. And I was just talking about, you know, over the last few years, I've seen many people making idols of men in the prophetic community. It's almost like the followers of the Grateful Dead. These people can be very loyal and follow some of these folks anywhere, often not taking uh, their stances and teachings to the Lord. And there's a contingent of people who follow some of these internet, quote, unquote, prophets from every event to event and lean on their every word as if their words were equal to the Bible. They're not. That's dangerous, as their words are not equivalent to the Bible. People also do this with certain pastors, by the way, and others. It's all wrong. Any faithful pastor, preacher, or prophet should lead his or her followers to God and his word toward a healthy and balanced Christian lifestyle, not act as a Christian celebrity, or if he or she is the sole person who can hear from God for everyone else. I want to make it clear. I believe in prophecy, and I think that there are real prophets. I am friends with many prophets. I operate in the prophetic, by the way. But my advice is to test the spirits and make sure that what is being said bears witness in your heart and aligns with the word of God. This is key. Make sure that you don't make an idol out of any person. There should be no other gods before the one and only true God. Number two, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. The Bible is clear that believers can listen to the voice of the Lord for themselves. While hearing from prophets is essential, it's part of the fivefold ministry. I'm not against it. 
It's also crucial, however, that we have our own prayer life and can understand and recognize the voice of the Lord speaking to us. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and discernment in our daily faith walk. We all need insight, especially in this late hour. I often talk about how we are navigating through what I call a spiritual minefield. All church leaders should teach their followers to hear from the Lord for themselves. Again, newer believers are prone to being abused in this area as they often have less confidence about hearing for themselves. The Bible says, In the mouth of two or more witnesses shall every word be established. That's 2 Corinthians 13.1. This is very important. Confirmation helps when we are unsure if something is of the Lord. We shouldn't look just to one person to tell us what God wants to speak to us. God has set up a system of checks and balances around us that will, uh, and, and with agreement and confirmation, we can feel much more confident that a word is in fact from God. Number three, prophecy on demand. Prophecy on demand. Many people are seeking a new word. While that's good, the previous two points must be applied in the process. People often ask me for a word or a comment, and I can only give them what God gives me. I can't make something up to please them. Sometimes I get a word for a person in the moment, but often I don't. And, you know, we must always be accurate and authentic and avoid the temptation to speak from our own flesh. Speaking from the flesh is very dangerous as people hang on to these words and make huge life decisions based upon them. Many comments from God, uh, you know, come from a place of good and healthy fear and trembling. You know, uh, what I'm saying is if the Lord's saying something, it's coming from a place of fear and trembling because you fear that you know it's from God. You got to know it's from God. It's not a bad fear. It's a good fear. What an honor that God uses prophetic voices to speak his heart. When a prophetic voice receives a word, they deliver it in obedience to God. A true prophetic word will never go against the Bible. It will also not change the Bible. If either of those things happens, it's a wrong word. As I mentioned above, it should also bear witness in your heart as you, a believer in Christ, are filled with the Holy Spirit. Always ask the Holy Spirit, is this you? When we ask, he will answer, by the way. He will. Number four, be mindful of false narratives. Be mindful of false narratives. Many Christians believe that the Q movement is accurate. Donald Trump is currently the president. The military is now running our country. This is not happening. Trust me, if I'm wrong, I will not only repent to you all, but I will be rejoicing with you. But as I have investigated extensively and prayed long and hard about this, I don't believe these things are true. Here's the challenge. Many prophetic words sound almost identical to Q. Be cautious. The message can be rebranded and packaged as prophecy. As the body of Christ, we must be wise and understand that our credibility is on the line here. The world is watching. We can't fall into the enemy's trap designed to discredit the church. We must stick to the primary mission and not get pulled into the distractions set up to cause us to look foolish. Number five, don't touch my anointed. Don't touch my anointed. Many people quote this scripture, touch not my anointed ones, which is uh, Psalms 105, 15. The Bible is true, and I believe in this scripture. However, we can't use this as an excuse not to correct false statements and doctrine. It grieves my heart to see some prominent individuals known as prophets say bizarre and unbiblical things in the name of prophecy. Please ask yourselves if what these people are saying is from God. Roller coasters in heaven, jello mountains. Again, we must remember the world is watching. Let's stick to what is pure, holy, and scriptural. Otherwise, we lose credibility. I'm not against any one person. I love people. I'm also not questioning anyone's salvation. That's up to God. 
we can look for a person's fruit and ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance on who is honest. My motive is the protection of the saints and the church's credibility. We need to make some changes, friends. We need to stop making idols and emphasizing specific, uh, emphasizing specific gifts more than others and get back to our primary mission, souls. Like I like to say, it's time to make the main thing the main thing again. Let's operate in doctrinally sound biblical Christianity. So how do we course correct, okay? How do we course correct? Well, anyone who's gained significant influence or followers must take responsibility very seriously and be faithful to our calling and God's word. We can't be pulled into saying things that are untrue to appease our audience or following. We can't become focused on money or fame in any way. That will not last as God gives and takes away. We must fear God and be about his business. It is his ministry, not ours. This isn't a time to attack one another or engage in back and forth slandering. God is using our current situation to purify his bride and get us planted on a firm foundation, Jesus Christ and his word. We need to be focused on the great commission. The enemy would much rather us be the great division. Be mindful of this. I felt the need to address this here as God has put it on my heart heavily in recent months. I rarely feel the need to speak so bluntly, but we must get away from the weirdness and get back to the word and truth. Again, I believe in prophecy. I'm not against any particular person. All I can do is provide the facts according to the word of God, and each individual must take this to the Lord themselves and receive revelation from the Holy Spirit. If you are a prophet and you are reading this, I'm not against you. I have many dear friends who are prophets whom I love and respect. I'm not questioning your sincerity, but rather taking my advice and ensuring I align with God's word, as I've written above. I've made mistakes over the years and am thankful for accountability and transparency for people who loved me enough to correct me. Thank you. And to share the truth so I uh, could make the needed changes and get into God's perfect will. We don't want to see your ministry discredited or hurt in any way. We love you. I love you. God loves you. It's especially essential in the internet age that we listen to sound voices and those who hold themselves accountable, not lone rangers and people who are untethered from the more excellent body of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. This is the season of much needed course correction. As the dust settles, we will be set up for success and on the level we need to be. This has happened in the past, and the adults in the room hold to the issue a rebuke and speak in God's love to areas of imbalance to help the church get back on track. We must all be teachable and willing to take these crucial matters to the Lord. Is it biblical to call out doctrine that's false? Or prophecy that's false? Is it, is it biblical to call out false doctrine and prophecy? It is scriptural for someone to call out false prophecy and incorrect doctrine according to the word of God. This is something I'm often asked as a pastor. Many people are afraid to say anything about this subject for the concern that they may open a can of worms or fear of reprisal. However, the Bible tells us that we are to judge a prophetic word as well as the actions and fruit of other believers. Paul wrote, let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Notice that according to scripture, the prophet's word is to be judged. Nowhere does it in the Bible say that we shouldn't judge prophetic words or any teachings that are incorrect. Paul also wrote in Galatians 1, 8, but even if we, are, uh, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, uh, he is to be accursed. Uh, what about 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13? 
It says, for what have uh, I to do with the judging of outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom we are to judge? God judges those outside, but purge the evil person from among you. Many Christians tend to do the opposite of what Scripture is saying here. Often we judge the non-believer, but are afraid to judge the believer's fruit and actions. Yet Scripture is pretty clear that we're meant to judge the believer's fruit and actions and leave the judgment of the non-believer up to God. It's a common misconception. And I have even heard other preachers say that we should not judge other Christians. The book of Hebrews, which is in the Scripture, it's very clear about this. So listen, we got so much more to discuss on this matter. I hope that you got something from this today. We've run out of time. But the book is called Come Out From Among Them. Did you get something out of this? I mean, this is straight from the heart of God. I really believe that God put this message on my heart as a vessel, and it's all scriptural. And so uh, you can go to pastortoddbook.com, pastortoddbook.com, and we will be back again next week. God bless you. Hey, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. If you're listening to this, you're listening to the podcast version of the show or on social media, and I just want to thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, you got something out of this. Uh, We are going to go through the entirety of the book. Uh, Today, we're going through chapter one of Come Out From Among Them, which is available at pastortoddbook.com. By the way, we're listener-supported. We're fully listener-supported. So if this is valuable to you and uh, you want to partner with this ministry, which we desperately need partners I'd appreciate it. You can go to toddcoconato.com slash give, toddcoconato.com slash give. Thank you so much. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon.